Welcome to the Team Packed Podcast with your host, Quinton Pools. We hope to inspire you to think critically and biblically about current issues facing our culture, challenge you to make a difference in your community, and ultimately change the world. Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast. This is Quinn, uh, your host, and it's a joy to be back with you and to have a guest and personal friend of mine, August Huckabee, um, who's joining us today. So August, if you want to say hey and maybe tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, hey everybody, I'm August Huckabee and I work at Worldview at the Abbey. It's a bridge year program located in Colorado um, for college freshman students and you can get up to 30 hours of transferable college credit in core classes and I handle the marketing for them and teach macroeconomics. Um, I also am a class director with Team Pack Leadership Schools and Quentin and I go back like 10 years, 12 years. We're working at Worldview Academy as summer camp staff, and we've known each other since then. So it's really fun to be here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And as I think about, you know, my history in Teen Pact, uh, some of that is thanks to you because uh, back in 2010, when I was staffing my very first two state classes in Washington, uh, you were the intern with Teen mm-hmm. Pact at the time, and I was uh, a new travel staffer. And I remember at the end of that time, you encouraged me to apply to staff with Worldview. And I had the opportunity to staff that summer and for several more summers. Um, and it also, because of that experience with Worldview, I think really equipped me in the Teen Pact world to apply for the Teen Pact internship, go on to Program Direct, and now work for the office. So um, thanks for your investment in my life. Really appreciate you. And and I love that we get to kind of, you know, be partners in ministry in some contexts with Teen Pack, but then also just supporting each other in kind of related ministry contexts with uh, Worldview at the Abbey and, and with Teen Pack. So this is a yeah. treat. Um, you, mm-hmm. you come with a lot of um, kind of visionary, uh, thoughtful, um, like kind of deep thinking, critical thinking on a lot of different topics. But this particular one that we wanted to dive into is about kind of discovering your potential. And um, it's something that for young people, um, some some people grow up and it's like, oh, I always have wanted to be a police officer. I just, yeah. since I, you know, since I was eight years old, I've always wanted to be a police officer. I did my training with cadets. I, I went through the program and now I'm a police officer. Boom. And that's awesome if that's your story, um, and and that's just really wonderful for you. Great, you know. But yeah. but for a lot of people, that's not their story. Their story is one of trying to discover um, the things that God has equipped them to do, and and you know some sense of calling and so forth. So I, I wanted to kind of lean into to kind of your expertise, your thinking, um, and study in this in this world. So where do you want to start? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll, I'll start with a little bit of background. Um, one is that I work with college freshman students, and so I've gotten to talk to talk to a lot of people about this. I also do a lot of the recruiting for our program, so I talk to a lot of families who are like in the process of trying to make this decision and what school to go to and what career they want to do and all this kind of stuff. So I pull from that a little bit, and so because that's kind of the world I live in, I, I get to read a lot of books on just – kind of this exact thing, right? Maximizing your potential, looking to your future. What do those things look like? Um, and obviously, you know, we have the ability here to start with God's truth and God's word. And and so I kind of want to start there, right? Here's a couple, a f- couple fundamental truths. And uh, one of those is just this, this thing that I've come upon that there's not one path. Uh, there's not one path forward. I think that when I was growing up, 
like my personal story is just that. Um, when I was graduating from high school, I came to this really big kind of crisis of faith of just saying like, Lord, tell me where you want me to go and I'll go. Like I really had a, a sincere desire to be obedient to the Lord and to go on the mission field or to go work for a church or to go to a Christian school or a secular school or wherever. Like I really wanted to be obedient. And so I just entered into this time of like fasting and praying and trying to understand it. But it kind of, uh, I just didn't feel like I got a direction from the Lord. Like I got accepted to Wheaton College, a small private school, and I got accepted to Texas A&M, which is a huge public university. So just like polar opposites, right? Yeah, it's quite the spread. Um, yeah, polar opposites. And it just be kind of became this thing of like, Lord, how do I know what you're going to show me to do? Is it uh, a song on the radio and this is a sign from God or the next song seems to say the opposite. So wh which one is it, right? Um, or is it, you know, my uncle, something that is said to me or should I go look for a sign here or there? And I just got into this kind of um, paralysis by analysis, right? I, I was trying to figure it out so hard that I couldn't figure anything out at all. Um, and so that kind of going through that process after I finally made a decision, um, made me just think like, I don't, I don't think this is the way we're supposed to function as Christians. Like I don't, when I see things like, um, Christ saying, you know, come to me, you who are heavy laden, um, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Like, I don't see that in that decision-making process. I didn't see it. And so, I just ended up reading a lot of books and trying to read scripture and say, well, what is it then? How can we know how to go forward in a way that does trust the Lord's will, but also um, doesn't, doesn't become paralysis by analysis, right? Doesn't just kind of break down in looking for signs everywhere. And I think what, what I feel like the Lord kind of revealed to me and what I've seen some other authors say is that you pursue a path of wisdom, right? You pursue this path of wisdom. So, and that path of wisdom kind of looks like this. And that is that, uh, look, wherever you go, the Lord is going to be with you wherever you go. Right. And because of that, there's not one path where you have to figure it out and God's hiding it from you and he's going to come. Uh, and if you miss it, right. If I, if I miss where I'm going to go to school, well, the Lord's going to look at me and say like, well, I was with you up until high school, but then you, chose the wrong college. So good luck, kid. Right. Mm -hmm. Like the Lord's not going to do that to you. Right. But we if can, we can think that way when we're in the moment, like you feel yeah. like you can mess it up like in a real big way. <laughs> yeah. Right. You could feel all this pressure on you, but it's been a really, um, it's a freeing thing to realize like, look, the Lord's bigger than that. Right. And if you go to a private Christian school or public school, you can, the Lord can use you in either one of those places but if you pick one versus the other, it's not like God's will is thrown off from the cosmic universe, right? Like you're not big enough of a deal for that, number one. Mm. And number two, like he is big enough that he can he can maximize his purposes through other people too, right? So so that's number one is like uh, there isn't one path. The Lord will be with you wherever you go, right? As long as you're seeking to pursue him, worship him, love him, um, and you're not obviously doing something that's against scripture, like the Lord's going to be with you. So that's that's like point number one. Uh, point number two is that, so if there isn't one path, there is only one you, right? There is only one you. And this is one thing I love to tell students is just that, um, you know, you're not an accident. God in his sovereignty planned where in history, where in geography, and the parents to whom you would be born. 
And all of that was given to you, right? You didn't have any decision-making in that process. Like that was all given to you. And so when you look at, well, how do I discover my potential? What am I here to do? Part of it is just looking around for a moment and saying, well, where have I been placed? What are the problems of this day and age? Um, who is the family that I'm with? Do I have any responsibilities to them? And how do I be faithful to the things that have already been given to me, right? Um, so there's this, this idea that there's only one you. One thing that I tell students too is that um, their perspective is is really unique in the, what they bring to the table anytime. Because you might think like, well, my family's not that interesting or that special, or I'm not that interesting or special. But the truth is, no one at any point in history has had the exact same experiences that they have had, right? With social media coming on in the last several years, the way that students are interacting with it today, the social problems we're facing, um, even on a micro level, your, your, uh, your siblings have different siblings than you have, right? Like they're not the same birth order as you. You're having to deal with them. They're having to deal with you. So your mm, experiences mm -hmm. are unique, right? Interesting. They are they are absolutely unique. And so when you say like, well, do I have something to bring to the table? Yeah, you do, right? And that's why we teach at Worldview that everyone is a leader, right? Everybody has leadership um, experience that they can bring because that's influence over others. And that is um, that is absolutely unique to each individual person, right? You can see things that other people can't see because of what you've gone through. Um, so that's kind of two things. There's one path or there's, sorry, there's not one path. There is only one you. And then point number three is that this is kind of a master's uh, MBA thing, a master's in business administration thing. Um, value is created when you have a rare and valuable skill and there is demand for it, right? So I teach macroeconomics, right? So if this is going to be like a math equation, I would say value equals rare multiplied by valuable skills plus demand, right? Plus yeah. demand. Yep, I'm following. Uh, I'm, a, I'm yeah. a math guy. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so when you're thinking about your future and thinking like, where do I want to go? You want to bring value, right? You want to bring value to wherever you're going to go. If, if you, um, and so looking around and saying, well, is that like, even if that's something as small as leadership, right? Something where you say, I want to lead teams. Something as small as leadership. Unbelievable. I know. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> maybe that's that's not the right way to say that. <laughs> something as maybe intangible. Yeah, perhaps. yeah. There you go. There you go. As a leadership or the, the harder skills of like science or engineering or even the arts, right? You say, all right, well, if I want to get paid to do these things, if I want to get, if I want to make a career or a living of doing these things, how do I make these skills rare and valuable? And then how do I get in a place where there's demand for it, right? How do I get in a place where people will pay for it or build those skills to a level where they're good enough to pay for it, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. um, by the way, so um, I'm, re I'm going to reference a few books throughout this, but um, one of those that I'm, I'm kind of referencing right now is So Good They Can't Ignore You by Cal Newport. Um, he's, uh, I don't, he's not a Christian author, I don't think, but he's got a few really great books on work and just the idea of vocation and how to pursue that. Um, so, so good. They can't ignore you. Talks a lot about rare and valuable skills. Um, so yeah. So any thoughts on all that so far, Quentin, does that all kind of make sense? Yeah, for sure. On a recent, um, podcast interview, we had, uh, Rachel, Adams, who uh, previously Rachel Aldrich, um, and and she came up through through Teen Pact around the same time that you would have uh, been an intern, 
And uh, and she had a lot of these same summary positions about um, there not being just one path, God will be with you and those sorts of things. So I, I love how this segues right into, okay, well, if I actually believe that, then how do I how do I then start to to get ready to make that big decision? And and so the the idea of uniqueness um, for me personally is is hard for me to accept. I think I have a voice in my head that just as quickly will tell me that I'm not unique than mm-hmm. than would tell me that I am. Um, and I'm sure right. that's different for different people. Um, but for me, I I've struggled over the years with. Um, you know, even you, you mentioned siblings, like I, I will compare myself to my older siblings. I have four older siblings, all of whom have been, I think, quite successful in their fields of work. And they have a pretty diverse spread of what they do. Like one's an attorney and one of them's, uh, uh, an officer in the military. And another one is a, a real estate agent. And another one is an engineer, uh, for Oregon department of transportation. And it's like, and then it's like the nonprofit guy, you know, it's the guy that it's the guy that did the internship with Teen Pact and then just yeah. couldn't, you know, find something else to do. And so, he st- you know, right. and uh, and even if people don't say that to me, like, I think I can True. develop that in my psyche. And so what yep. would you say to somebody who struggles with that second point that recognizes like, OK, there's only one you and that's actually a good thing. Like God has specifically designed things in your life to to serve people and to bless people and to, to do good work in the world. And, and there's a place for you in this world. Like there's a place for yeah. you to plug in and serve in a way that in some ways no one else could serve in that way. So mm-hmm. how, how do you speak to somebody like, like me 10, 12 years ago? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I think this kind of segues into my next kind of section, which is I wanted to start with some fundamental truths, right? There isn't one path. There's only one you, and here's the idea of value. And then you get into this idea of some fu- foundational questions, right? Some foundational Perfect. questions. I have and, my pen out, so I'm going to take notes. Yeah. So as far as foundational questions, I'd say the first one is, um, what do you love? Or maybe a second one would be, what do you value, right? What do you value? What do you love or what do you value? And I would challenge any student who's going to be thinking about their future um, or even in a career right now to Every, every now and then you need to reassess. You need to make sure that your true north is still true north, that your compass is, that your ship is still pointed in the right direction with your compass, right? And this gets into your question because um, I'm the same way, right? Like my dad's in banking, my, my sister's an entrepreneur, my brother's a police officer on a SWAT team now, and just they're, they're achievers. They've gone and done things. They have great families. And for me, it's like I'm working at a small nonprofit in Colorado, and that may sound all well and fun, but it's just different, right? It's just very different than what my family um, probably imagined that I would be doing. And so you have to ask, you got to reassess every so often what's your true north. So I would challenge a student who's thinking about this or a person who's thinking about this. When you sit down and ask yourself what you love, you need to try to be as honest as possible and don't try to write the thing that you feel like you should write right? Mm. You need to write, um, and this sounds a little cliche, but the things that make you feel alive, right? Um, and, and here's how I, a way that I analyze that, because because that feels very just fuzzy to me, right? It feels <laughs> a little hippy-dippy. Um, but one, the way that I thought about this is like, what do you research when no one else is around, right? What do you spend your downtime doing? Um, I heard a, a pastor recently, he was talking about the difference between him and his wife, 
And he's like, if I have two free hours, what are you going to do? He's like, I'm going to read a book, right? My wife is going to build something, right? For me, it's like, I, if I have two free hours, I'm going to research business. I'm going to research business methods. I'm going to listen to a business podcast. Like I love thinking about and analyzing that type of stuff. Um, and so for them, what do you spend your downtime doing? I think you can get some inclinations of what it is that your brain wants to explore. Um, I had a friend whose son loved to just tear things apart and put them back together, right? Like that's just what he wanted to do. Um, there are some people I know who love to just, anytime they're sitting down, they're drawing pictures, right? And that's just mm. a natural thing. And I think that there's there's uh, fingerprints that you can kind of look for of like the things that you love to do in your downtime. So, um, so again, I'll just use myself as a reference point. So something I yeah. loved growing up um, was basketball. I love to play basketball. I love to uh, watch basketball. I love to research when no one was around. I wouldn't have called it research at the time, but we'll call it that now. Um, sure. But just, you know, looking at players' stats and who's on the starting lineup and who's in the rotation and who's riding the bench and who's the up-and-coming rookie and, like, all of that stuff – yeah. Uh, was really fascinating to me. And and I still see that as a, a through line to today. I, I still love basketball. And, um, and so there's, there's a part of me that, that thinks, man, like if I wasn't in ministry, um, like would, would I do something in basketball? I'm probably not good enough to play in the NBA, but, but is there something in the world of basketball where, where that sort yeah. of passion would overlap? So, you know, for me, I guess there's multiple passions. Like there's multiple things that I would say, make me feel alive or that I research when no one is around uh, because I'm also doing that with theology things and leadership things and so forth. And I've yep. found kind of some of that with my team packed work where I, I just love it. It feels like a dream mm -hmm. job to me. Um, yeah. So what, what would lead me as a 18 year old away from a path toward basketball and toward ministry? Are there other yeah. assessment questions that would help me with that? Absolutely. Right. So, Along with the the love question, I think would be value as well, right? What do you value? Like, what do you, what do you see as the the greatest purpose that you could fulfill while you're on this planet, right? And some people that would be, and I think a lot of people in our spheres that would be things like having a family, raising kids, um, being able to provide a safe place and a safe home, or even being able to host people for things like our community and our churches. Um, those things are are very foundational as well, right? And they go into this question of what do you love and what do you value? Um, but I think also, even with your basketball question, I love that, right? So if you're going to ask the what do you love slash value, I'd say the next analytical question could be what opportunities do you have, okay? So do you have the opportunities to go, kind of like you mentioned, right? Or do you have the opportunity to go play basketball at the college level Do you or a community college level or junior college level? right? Do you have the opportunity to keep pursuing that? See, for me, when I was in high school, I loved football. Like I absolutely love it, but I was five foot eight and weighed 150 <laughs> pounds. Like it just wasn't going to happen, you know, like, and it's, it was hard to like reconcile that. But mm. as soon as my high school career ended, I, I was done with it. Right. And that's the yep. thing about football is it, it's not really a sport that translates beyond high school for most people who play it. Um, but what I got from football is that I loved leadership. I loved being a part of a team. I loved being in a space where I could, um, you know, metaphorically like run and expend my energy and try to be aggressive and, and things like that. Right. I learned things kind of through the sport of football that could then translate 
out into the wider world. And that's why it's valuable to play sports. Um, but those things come back to less of the physical side and more of the um, mental side, I would say. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, so what do you love? What opportunities do you have? And then I would say another one that I've kind of been fiddling with lately is like, what covenants do you have or what responsibilities do you have? You know, some people get married at a really young age and that's totally fine. But that means that like, that's a covenant that you're going to have. And you, like, if it was a guy, I guess you, you're, let me just back up a step. You would have to keep in mind your spouse for any future decisions that you have, right. Uh Or your children or whatever, right. What covenants do you have? Um, some people, maybe they have a sibling with special needs or something like that. Um, and they feel the conviction that they need to stick around their home and help their family for a while after high school, instead of going to college. And there's, there's nothing wrong with that, right? Like that's a good conviction from the Lord to do a good thing. And so asking yourself, like, what are the responsibilities in your life and the opportunities that come with that? Um, so that's kind of what I would give us some analytical questions, right? What do you love slash value? What opportunities are in front of you? And then are there any responsibilities that you need to uphold? As yeah. Well? Yeah. That's really good. So for opportunities, taking my basketball example, um, yeah. You know, I was uh, getting onto a high school sports team in Oregon was a lot harder 10, 15 years ago than it is today. Um, yep. And it was also just not a high priority for my family. So my right. family did not have us playing high school basketball, even though me and, and at least my brother Jordan, probably several of my siblings could have played high school sports and probably would have been pretty good at it. Yeah. But the opportunity just didn't exist. I, I probably could have gone a community college, junior college route as a walk-on and, and pursued that. But it seemed like that opportunity wasn't there. What was available to me were things like serving with Teen Pact at different yeah. youth events and serving at Worldview Academy for several summers. And I think seeing the impact of investing in a young person's life and seeing you know kind of the the spiritual good that comes of that and just the leadership growth that they experience and so forth. I think that probably started to cultivate some of those earlier things that you were talking about, the things you value, the things you love, where it's like, yes, I still love basketball, but I almost, what I love about basketball is, is being with people or I, or I love the, you know, I love being a part of a team that succeeds in something or, you know, there's still something about the game itself, but um, I think that started to change. So I love how you're, you know, the opportunities will kind of, it, it feels kind of like, um, like you could probably push against if, if the opportunity is not there, like you could push hard against that door and still try to find an opportunity. But yep. if there's, if there's a clear available door to walk through, cause there's an opportunity for that thing that you love and you value, like, yeah, like pursue that, mm-hmm. do that thing. Um, that makes a lot of sense to me. A question I have about the the last the last one you had there though, so you said uh, you know you need to consider what covenants or responsibilities that you've made. Uh, we recently at Teen Pact were reviewing um, this uh, survey data from Barna Group, um, and they they yeah. partnered with Impact Three Hundred and Sixty to um, to produce this survey. And and there's this I mean there's a lot of really good information in there. But one one of the things, and I'm sure you've seen similar statistics, but people are putting off a lot of what has traditionally in America, you know, been considered to be adulthood and, you know, whether that's mm-hmm. buying a home or, or going to college or getting married or having children, like a lot of those, the average age of those things just keeps moving later and later and later. 
Yeah. And some of that is not by choice, but some of that is. And so I could see somebody who's who's listening to this say, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm not married right now. I'm 18 years old and I'm considering my options. I'll just kind of prolong any sort of those covenant and responsibility things. Like, and I've seen this even sure. with like local churches where it's like, I'm not going to commit to membership because I'm only going to be here for, you know, for four years for my school, for university. Totally. And so I'm yeah. not going to plug into a church because I know I'm going to leave this community after a while, or I'm just doing an internship here. So I'm not going to plug in right. and you're unwilling to make that commitment or that covenant with local membership in a church or to a spouse or to have children. Like at what point does it become self-serving to where you're like, well, I don't have any of those right now. So let's just not, let's not hook up to the whole commitment thing yet. Um, how do you like still have a, a healthy practice of being a part of those kind of communities and building toward God's design for, for family and church while mm-hmm. also pursuing like the things that God has uniquely gifted you in? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, I think at a foundational level, this co- does come back to the question of what you value, right? Because you can, well, we, one thing we tell students here at the Abbey, because students come to Colorado, they're only here for nine months at a time. And we require them to be involved in a local body of believers while they're here. Like they can spend about six weeks looking around, but after that, we're like, okay, you need to plug in, right? That's good. The, trans- the transition question can can be there no matter what, any time in your life, right? It can be, I'm only going to be here for four years. I'm only like, well, we're getting married right now. I can't, uh, I can't focus on this. Oh, we're about to have a kid. I can't focus on this. Oh, we have a brand new kid. I can't get involved in this, right? Like you, you totally. can just pick your transition, right? Yep, like yep. life, life throws a lot at you and you can pick your excuse. And so at a foundational level, it's interesting. I thought I invented this saying, but then somebody else said it recently. So <laughs> I don't know. It's always frustrating when that happens. But there's this idea that you don't, I've told students before, you don't rise to the occasion, you sink to your level of training, right? Or you sink to your level of discipline is another way that I've heard it said. Mm, okay. Um, and it's basically just this idea of like, we want to think we're just going to be Superman when we get out in the real world. Like, oh yeah, I'm going to eat clean. I'm going to work out. I'm going to wake up early. I'm going to not watch too much TV. I'm going to go to my church on Sunday. I'm going to be involved in small group. Right. And then it's like, oh, I have five classes to take on top of that. And I have finals coming up and, you know, I've got projects due and I've got, you just, you just have all this stuff that's thrown at you. And so eventually, you know, your Superman figure just kind of crawls up in a fetal position on the floor. Right. And you're just like, I'm just trying to survive. Okay. Yep. And so what I tell students is this idea that like, look, you don't rise to the occasion, you sink to your level of training or to discipline. And that's this idea of value that I would say is like when everything else is getting cut, right? When everything else is getting cut, what's going to remain? Because those things that you ultimately keep doing, those are going to be the things that your foundation, your core that will shape you for the long term. Mm, Yeah. Um, Yeah. Those will be the things that continue. So it seems like there needs to be, you need to be developing those disciplines, those habits of life while doing this discovery process, while considering the opportunities that are before you. Because if you you don't integrate those two things and you think you're going to build those habits and build those covenant relationships later, then 
those habits aren't going to be there, you know, when you're, yeah. you know, when you're 24 and 25 and 26 and so forth. But I think some people would just tend to just kind of push that off. And so I, I guess that's where the rubber meets the road then is where, you know, maybe through this process that you've outlined, you know, asking yourself these different questions and these foundational concepts biblically, like you're, you're, you're trying to, to build kind of a, a, an understanding of, okay, what opportunities exist out there? What should I be pursuing? But that doesn't mean that what you're doing right here, right now doesn't matter. Like those oh, things yeah. need your attention as Absolutely. well. And so you can't yep. just be head in the clouds about your future. And and I tend to be this way sometimes uh, where yeah. I get really motivated about talking about, you know, a trip that's coming up a year from now. And I'm just yeah. like, oh, this is awesome. And I'll look up ticket prices, even though I'm not going to book them for another six months or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But yep. it's like, I, I love to think a year ahead. Um, but then I need to kind of get, get, you know, reel it back in and say, no, 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 how, how am I going to live today and tomorrow and this week in such a way that those, those disciplines, that training rises so that I do have a, a, a greater potential that I'm discovering and I'm not, and I'm not continuing to fall to, to that level of incompetence. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think it's always, it's just important to remember that like who you're going to be a year from now starts today right? And who you're going to be five years from now can start today as well. And it's things like, I don't know, like I, I've just lived through my years, like I've lived with a lot of bachelors. You, you live with a lot of college freshman students who it's their first time away from home. And it's little things like, hey, you want to be a great spouse someday? You need to learn to work on conflict today. Mm. Uh, you want to be a great spouse someday? You got to learn, you need to learn to clean up your room, right? Or to put away your dishes or just these little things where it's like, why is that important? Is it really that important for me to do right now? Well, it's like, well, maybe not, but the point is the habit, right? And the habit is what forms your character and your character is going to be, you know, who you are in a year or five years from now. Um, and so, yeah, I, I'm trying to remember, um, we used to teach an etiquette class here at the Abbey and I would, I would used to say the power of etiquette is in the habit, right? Like you don't always have to, it may not always be appropriate or someone may not always want you to open a door for them or something like that. But the point is that it's the habit that makes you a gentleman, right? The point mm, is like, it's not good. that you have to think about it every time. It's that your default is I'm going to use manners at the table. Your default is I'm going to treat people well. I'm going to, I'm going to give them honor as they come into my presence or whatever, um, and it's the same thing, right? Your character is like, well, what, what's your default and how do you make the, the right character and good character your default so that as you go down the road and you get put into a difficult ethical situation or you go off on your own entrepreneurial endeavor or you strike out to make it on your own as a musician or whatever, like that character that's been years in the making is then put into play at the highest level, right? And that's potential, right? That's potential. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, as we come to the end of our time together, you mentioned at least one book from Cal Newport. Um, so good. Yeah. They can't ignore you. Do you have any other resources to plug that could kind of serve uh, students or parents as they're navigating big decisions? Yeah. Um, Just Do Something by Kevin DeYoung. It's been a really good go-to. It's a very short book. It talks to a lot of students about um, kind of leaving high school and going to college. Um. A great one that I've read recently is called Grit by Angela Duckworth. She talks a lot about just what it, what um, pursuing your dreams looks like. And, um, and then the last one that I've read recently is called How Will You Measure Your Life 
by Clayton Christensen. And this Clayton's um, How You Measure Life is a little bit more geared toward people who have a business background, but I think it's applicable to everyone. And um, I really enjoyed it. Towards the end of the book, he kind of makes it known. I'm not sure if he's a Mormon or a Christian. I think he may be like a Puritan or something. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, but he mentions God a lot, and he just talks a lot about how that plays a really big fundamental value in his life. And um, it made it almost feel like it was a Christian book. So that was was pretty Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I highly recommend that one. Those are all really good. I've I've gone through Just Do Something and Grit is like my new favorite book right now. I'm I've yeah. I'm listening to it a second time through, taking notes this time. Fantastic. Um yep. so and then uh you're you're part of a music group, right? Any music to plug as we uh, as we wrap up our time? Uh, uh yeah, I I play in a band called West Rock on the side out here in Colorado. And uh yeah, we're on Spotify and just things like that. But if you want to look us up. All right, mm-hmm. check out West Rock, you guys. Yeah, I sing a lot of songs about being in the outdoors if you enjoy that kind of stuff. Heck yeah. That sounds great. Well, August, thanks so much for joining us. I'm sure there's a lot more we could uh, tackle and we'd love to have you back on. I know know there's a lot of fun things that you've done in terms of just uh, being intentional about the way that you design your life and how you use your time. And so I'm sure there's other topics we could jump into that people would be served by. Uh, You're an incredible resource and a great leader. So thanks for joining us on the podcast. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us for this special edition of the Team Pact Podcast. Have any questions about today's episode? Send us an email at communications at teampact.com or you can visit our website for more information about our programs and state classes. 